You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. It's good to be with you as we continue our series on canoeing the mountains. We're in part three of this of this story. So if this is your first time in Asbury or first time uh, looking in, don't leave. Uh, we're, we're halfway through our Canoeing the Mountains series. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse 43. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends the rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So to begin moving into uncharted territory, we have to have the faithful assumption that God is calling us into uncharted territory, much like Abram, leave some things behind, go to where I am showing you. So we need that faithful assumption. So we take our canoe, we try to go where God is calling us to go. While we're in the canoe, we have to know who we are and where we are. We have to know who we are while we're on the map. If you don't know how to use your compass while you're on the map, you sure as heck are not going to know how to use it when you get off the map. While we're on the map, we have to be experts of who we are and who God has called us to be. But then we take that step off the map, where we go into uncharted territory. What does walking off of the map look like? First, it looks like leaning into competing values. When you take that first step off the map into the uncharted where you don't know what to expect, you have to lean into competing values. What does that mean? It means that every yes is also a no. You have to recognize this. And every no that you give is also a yes. So, for example, if you say yes to spending long hours in the office, you're actually saying no to being at home and helping with homework, maybe preparing dinner, right? If you say yes to getting out of the office early and staying home and and being with the family and preparing, you're saying no to, are you saying yes to your family? You're saying no to the office. Every yes is also a no in some way. And every no is also a yes. Competing values. Like, for example, Christy and I have, have an agreement. There are sometimes I have to be at church There are sometimes I have to be at home. Everything in between that is negotiable because it's called life. You can only prepare for so much, right? Every yes is also no and every no is also yes. We also have competing values uh, during this worship period, uh, uh, during a pandemic. What do you say yes to? 
What do you say no to? I mean, do you remember, do you remember what worship was like uh, like three months ago? Um, I know it feels like it was years ago. Uh, but do you remember? Um, in other words, one thing that we said yes to when everything was, was shelter in place and, and everything was closed down, and um, we said yes to making worship continue to be live on Sunday morning. Now, we could pre-tape and we could you know, put it on YouTube and this kind of thing. We wanted, that was one of the things that we believed in. We said yes for worship to always be live on Sunday morning. Now, then what we're saying no to is for that experience to be polished and beautiful and edited and all. Because do you remember we were in the fellowship hall and it was just my phone and it was me and Tim and a piano and a guitar? Um, it, uh, it wasn't, the sound wasn't great. The lighting was worse. Um, and it was just a weird time to be alive. <laughs> so, but we wanted it to be live. So we said yes to being live. We wanted Sunday morning to be that live experience. Therefore, we have to say no to things like editing. So you get to see the warts and all. Um, we, we say no to making sure the music is perfect, you know, and this kind of a thing. Um, though over time, every yes is a no and every no is a yes, you have to make these decisions and go with it. But over time, these competing values, meaning do we go live or do we make it polished? Or, or you know, do we say yes to editing and make it beautiful, but we pre-tape it and we just show it on Sunday? Yeses and noes. Over time... If we are authentic about our yes, if we are authentic about that yes, then those two competing values become congruent and they start to acquiesce to one another. So for example, uh, today, uh, and we were saying yes to the best of our ability, we don't always get it right. <laughs> um, we're worshiping in person and the online experience is much more, it feels much more like Asbury uh, on Facebook, you see the lyrics on the screen. We got a camera. We got these things. Those competing values, if we are authentic about our yes, become congruent and they begin to acquiesce to one another. And then a new identity becomes seen, right? So when we first set foot off the map, when everything is upside down, we immediately begin to recognize competing values. For example, this it doesn't happen at Asbury, but it happens at other churches. Um, uh, they're kind of two different flavors. Either, either the church is very close-knit. They recognize when someone is not in the pew. Uh, they're very close with one another. Or, uh, and they use like in, insider language, they recognize the tradition of the, of the faith and, and the church. Or the congregation, the doors are wide open, the language isn't traditional, uh, and uh, they might not know who's in the pew, but their pews are full because people are coming in and they're big in fellowship. And those are competing values. Who is your church supposed to be? But over time, when you are authentic to saying yes in the way that God has called you to say yes, those things become congruent. And you can, I know it's hard, I know it's easier said than done. You can both be very close as a community and also welcoming to the stranger. Here's an example. <laughs> um, well, with, when, when, when there are uh, competing ideas, when there are competing values, one thing you quickly realize is that you will experience loss. That's really point number two. Point number one is recognizing when we go off the map, there will be competing values that we have to make sense of. And secondly, we must be okay with 
recognizing that there will be loss. You, you leave the canoe behind. It's not going to get you to the mountains, right? Or you repurpose it. Here's an example. We have a very, the Rawl family uh, growing up, very close family, uh, very close with one another. And my sister Melanie, she started dating a guy named Josh. Um, and Josh, uh, at first it was like, you know, he would come over and they would like go on dates and then blah, blah, blah. But then like he started like showing up like during family dinner and also like during holidays and also like during, I mean, he's my brother-in-law now. So let me give you the punchline at the end of it. Um, but he started showing up at all these family events. And I remember we, we were at Copeland's one, uh, one night, I think it was a Wednesday afternoon. And Joshua, Joshua, of course, Joshua was there because we were all eating uh, together. Uh, and he went to uh, use the restroom. And I remember asking my parents, like, when will it ever be us again? Just us. When is that going to happen? And of course, my parents just kind of smiled politely and looked back as I was trying to figure out the world at that time. Like, oh, bless his heart. He doesn't know, does he? <laughs> that there is a new us, right? Uh, and John, let me, let me just, before this goes any further down the rabbit hole, Josh is amazing. Uh, he is my brother-in-law. Uh, he is the vice principal at Slidell High School. Uh, and my sister is an educator. It's like Norman Rockwell. Like they're both, like she's a teacher at the high school. He's the vice principal. They have a white picket fence. They, they carry lunches together and walk with each other. I love you, I love you. And they close a the picket fence. It's like a Norman Rockwell painting happening in real life. They're fantastic people. Uh, but it didn't start that way because Josh was, I called him for a long time, Mr. Perfect. Because he was just stinking better than me at everything. Uh, he went to Louisiana Tech, majored in uh, EE. He majored in electrical engineering. Uh, I'd love to remind him that you can't spell geek without EE. Uh, he, tested, <laughs> he tested out of almost every math you can take. You know that kind of person that is just, it's disgusting how talented they are. He's just very good at what he does. Uh, but the one thing I had, the one thing I had on him was music. Uh, because I could sing and I was a music major. So what did that schmuck do when he went to undergrad? He started taking voice lessons. I mean, it was just always this kind of like, Argh! he was Newman, right? From Newman, you know, the, uh, if you ever watch uh, Seinfeld. Um, another great example of this, it was Christmas. I don't remember what year, uh, maybe 98, something like that. Um, and I bought my mother the Braveheart soundtrack because she loved Scottish music. She loves bagpipes. That's one, she, that's one thing she's always said. I want amazing grace on the bagpipes for my funeral. You know, I said, well, we can start planning it now if you want, Mom. Uh, but she loves Scottish music. So I give her the CD. But truth be told, I really like Scottish music, too. So I was hoping that in me getting the CD for Mom, she might play it around the house a little bit. And maybe I can steal a little of, the, of that bagpipe music, too. So I gave my mother the Braveheart soundtrack. What did Josh do that year? What did he get my parents that year? No. He started carrying something like the cross uh, on his shoulder into the house. He had made my parents a new mailbox out of oak in his workshop. He, yes, exactly. Here, Mom, here's a CD because I kind of like bagpipe music too. And here's Josh. Mr. and Mrs. Rawl, I made your new mailbox out of, out of oak uh, in my workshop. May, may you have a blessed Christmas. <laughs> Mr. Perfect strikes again. Um, Josh is great. That, I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of him. Uh, and I've, I've, they have three beautiful kids, and it, it's, it's amazing. They all live in Slidell, and it's fantastic. He, but he is, he is very good at what he does. He's, he's an amazing man. Uh, when there are competing values, like 
time with my sister growing up. I have never remembered not having a sister. And all of a sudden, there's this new normal that's happening. And there was a loss there because it wasn't, it wasn't us anymore. But it was the best of things because they were married and they have three beautiful kids and I can't imagine it any other way. When we step off the map and experience new things, we will first notice that there are competing values. And then we will notice that there is loss. But not all losses are bad. Not all losses are bad. Jesus says, uh, you've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But what I say to you, and and that, that makes sense on the map, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, on the map, that makes perfect sense. Like we're real good at that. But then Jesus thrusts us off the map and says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We step off the mat and there are competing values already. How do you love your neighbor and your enemy at the same time? But when we are authentic in our yes to God, what begins to happen is there is congruence. The category between neighbor and enemy starts to dissolve because we are so full of the love of God. And loving your enemy is not easy. It's, I think, the most difficult teaching of Jesus in the entire, it goes into the category of the things I wish Jesus hadn't said. Love can be difficult, especially when you are in a relationship with someone who does not recognize the divine spark that is within them. When that spark and that divinity is marred and hidden, it can be incredibly difficult to love. Love is not to each his own. Love is not apathy. It is the difficult work of God to bring even competing values into congruence under the banner of sacrificial love. Moving off into uncharted uh, uncharted territory, uh, we lean into competing values. We recognize that there will be loss, even though not all losses are bad. We're also called to keep it simple. Keep it simple and focus on what is necessary. When we do this, we recognize that love is abundant. Because we have this picture sometimes of love, like let's say we're we picture a, a, a pizza, right? And there are only so many slices. So if we give three slices of love over here, we have to now uh, uh, delegate and, and, and count our pieces. Now we can only do two pieces over here. It's, but it's like having a child. The, the, the craziest thing happens. You, know, you fall in love and um, love and marriage. Look, when two people love each other very much, uh, there's an information exchange and they, ha- and they have a child, right? Uh, and then you, you, you don't think that you could, you're, you're 100% love, you think you're gonna have to divide it, right? You know, 50% here, 50, 30. But no, you love it 100%, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, I can't, I can't imagine um, 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 not, loving, not loving this person. And then you have a second child, right? And then you're like, love, it, I, it doesn't make any sense. Because one and one is two, but every time I, we, now I'm loving this person with 100%, I'm loving this person with 100%. Love is never exhausted when we are authentic with love. And then you have a third child, and you're like, when is the train going to stop? 
oh, I'm loving my spouse, and now I have three kids, and there's just love. And then you have a fourth child, and then you, you give up. And then you just, you, you hang it up, and you never go to the grocery store ever again, and you order everything online, and you just try to make do. Love is never exhausted. It's never divided. We have to keep things simple. One and one is two. That is a simple equation. One and one is two. But here's the thing. With God, we have to focus on what matters. And what matters in that equation is not the numbers. What matters in that equation is the word and and the word is. And is bringing people together. One and one. Let's focus on the and. And brings people together. Is is the location that we're going. It's the new creation in Christ. One and one, so and is bringing people together, is, is the location we're going. One and one is two. That new number, that new being, that new way of being in ministry. One and one is two is a simple equation, but we are spending most of our time with the and, the people, and the is, where we're going as a new creation of Christ, especially when we're off the map. We have to constantly do this, and and is. Who is with us? Where are we going? Who is with us? Where are we going? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you will be children of God. Do you hear the equation? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you will be children of God and and is. Who, who are we loving? Who are we called to bring together? And where are we going? Friends and enemies so that we can be children of God. And as Christians, we should be real good at this, learning how to love. I'm going to just say it out loud. Like the next three months, like I don't even want to turn on the TV because we have a presidential election. Like I'm so like already, let's just, let's just turn the TV off. Um, you know, you can, you can vote whoever you want to vote for and not hate the other person. You can do that. Love is abundant enough to be able to hold those tensions in the same place. Love is abundant enough to recognize that God makes it the sun to shine upon the good and the bad. God is abundant enough and love is abundant enough to hold that tension of a God who makes the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Vote for whatever you want. For, vote in whatever way you want. And it does not necessitate, supporting someone does not necessitate hating someone else. That's the mystery of what Jesus is saying when, when Jesus says, love your enemy, is what happens is who you consider your enemy begins to dissolve away. If my enemy is not someone I'm supposed to hate, then what is an enemy at all? And then you begin to discover the power of agape love. That's why Jesus says, if you love your friends, what is that to you? What is your reward? And it's not that we love so that we get a reward later. We love because love is the reward. To be able to love an enemy we begin to recognize just how powerful God is. And that, in and of itself, is the reward. If you're only loving people you like, what is that reward? You have not seen the power and depth of God yet. 
But if we can love our enemies, if we can hold these things in tension, if we can learn how to love and support and experience the loss of hate, then we will see the reward. The reward reward being just how powerful love is. It is the only thing that is eternal. Friends, we're going to have to leave a lot behind when we go home. (laughs) Love is not one of them. It is eternal. It is always with us. It helps us to hold that off-the-map experience and tension. It helps us to let go of the things we need to let go of. And it shows us the power of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, you who (laughs) calls the sun to shine on all of our land, whether we deserve it or not, the one who calls the rains from the heavens to water our fields, whether we deserve it or not, Father, help us to fall in love with love an unrelenting, abundant love that reveals value, that offers justice, that offers comfort, something that is never let go. So Father, give us the courage to live off the map and to go where you're calling us to go so that the world might know of your love, so that the world might know of the eternity of your kingdom that you began to build in the person of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.